on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're hitting you with part two of our two-part series on women's work. Is it a big fat lie? I think we're being told a big fat lie, friend. Yes. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so happy that you've joined us today because, as always, we're talking about women, we're talking about work, and we're talking about creating more ease, meaning, and joy in your work because who doesn't want more of that goodness? We're also talking about uh, ease, meaning, and joy in our puffy coats. It's, yes. So if you hear the squishy, squishy, <laughs> yeah, or I'm smacking my puffy coat as emphasis because it's like... 38 degrees. It's really cold. Yeah. It's like, it's like we need to have like a weather update. We do a weather update at the beginning of every podcast. So now we're weather girls. It's a weather. That's great. Last time we were recording out here too, it was raining, <laughs> which I, I think people are going to hear that sound. Um, And thankfully it's at least. And they could just meditate to yeah, the rain. It's just yeah. a calm. It's way better Pacific than the crazy blue jay <laughs> acting like a. 13-year-old hopped up on Dr. Pepper. So we are referencing part one the, of the first uh, uh, episode of the series that we released two weeks ago. And man, people were pretty responsive to that. I think we struck a nerve. Well, there's some interesting data. Yeah, something that we're all feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Which is that COVID has just like cracked open the very thing that we are... Um, struggling we, with. Yeah. Uh, pushing against. But before we go into part two... Check in with you. Yeah, we have a pretty exciting announcement to make too, right? I think it's exciting. It's it's not unusual. It's regular. <laughs> Are you going to be contrary? I the am. Whole I'm very show? contrarian today. Are you going to challenge everything I say? I'm all speaking of jacked up on Dr. Pepper. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited to announce that we're going to be hosting another focus group or a session with our listeners to hear Which your opinions. Which might be my favorite part of this. I, it's not I mean, sitting here. I was with you. Say. No, seriously, hanging out with you and listener focus groups because they're just rich. They're rich. And so Kirsten and I were talking about kind of all of the different, that are, uh, an upcoming episode we want to do. And I was saying, you know, I really want to talk about decision making. I want to talk about how people make decisions, how comfortable they are with making decisions, what their process is for making decisions. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I'm a little bit biased. I'm someone who's so quick to make decisions that I think about the process as frequently, uh, I frequently think of the process as kind of a waste of time. Well, you know, it's so funny because of course I do too. Yes. And that's when you said, I want to talk about decisions. I was like, well, then we got to get somebody in here that has a different way of doing this than yes. you and I have, which is why I was like, this will be a great opportunity for a listener. Focus That's right. Group. I want to hear why all of that process is so important. And in fact, <laughs> I can, I, I mean, I can take a guess at it. I can take a run at it, but I want someone to tell me. So anyway, if you're interested in talking to us via zoom, no matter where you are in, in the, the world, in the world on uh, f- Monday, February 8th, 2021, we are going to get together in the evening Pacific Standard Time. So PST. Yeah. Send us an email at you get to work at gmail.com and let us know you're up for it. We would like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, twelve hundred of you. It's fine. Just tell us. Come join us. Yeah. Come participate. I think it's going to be really interesting. We're looking for some different perspectives and different methods and ways and uh, just approaches to decision making. Yeah. At work, primarily. And I'm going to say, if you're on the fence about whether you should join, you should join. then just decide. You know, one of somebody said to me, well, I'm really not sure how much I have to offer. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Get over it. Oh, Get over it. I, seriously, <laughs> I have not run into anybody. Like, it's the rare time when I'm like, 
don't learn anything from somebody. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. So come talk to us and come our, our, and our us. fellow listeners. We want to hear what you have to say. Set us straight. And you tell us hear. why process exactly. matters. Yeah. Tell me about your decision making process. And um, so we want to hear from you and we assume you want to hear from us, which is why we are going to talk today about part two, this whole notion of women's work. And and uh, last episode was really fun to do because we got to dig into some of the data. Mm hmm. And then this episode, for sure, we're going to be talking more about that and then certainly all of the different impacts that some of these assumptions and, and things have Let's made. just do a quick summary yeah. of the first part, just so we can ground ourselves. Because, you know, I like to be grounded and organized. I know you do. You love a good agenda. I love a good agenda. So we kind of left last week with this quote, COVID-19 is hard on women because the U.S. economy is hard on women. And this virus excels at taking existing tensions and ratcheting them up. Okay, so that's where we left off. Why has it been so hard? Because the concentration of low-wage and face-to-face -face jobs, these, these are the jobs that were hit particularly hard by the layoffs. Women hold most of these jobs and have suffered most of the layoffs. That was so surprising to me. And if, please, if you have not listened to that first episode, go back and, and uh, listen to it first before continuing on with this one. But the fact that the top 10 jobs that women currently hold are almost the majority almost exclusively face to face face to face like the first two are what teachers and nurses teachers nurses yeah. home health care yeah. retail hospitality hard to do that by zoom hard to do that via zoom yeah and so teachers are trying i'm not sure how effective it is but they're sure trying oh my gosh yeah, uh, yeah a lot of teachers in my family are really saying it's tough and they their hearts truly do go out to those kids but these these either low wage or face to face mm -hmm. or both mm -hmm. jobs mm -hmm. have really Many of them have disappeared off the map. Mm -hmm. And I've got restaurants and we can go on about that. The right. second, the second big issue that COVID has really exposed is losses in child care and school supervision hours. Because as the schools close and kids are at home going to school remotely, as child care closes down, people are, I mean, people have already had difficulty finding child care. A significant number of children are not in licensed child care yeah, in this country. that was interesting. Already a big problem. And then COVID exacerbates it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What I you I think you also quoted a statistic about the impact, like the financial impact of women leaving the workforce, either layoffs, quitting, just deciding that they can't do it anymore. They don't want to do it or they don't have the support network to do it. You know, whenever I read those statistics like that um, about the economic impacts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of lost wages, mm -hmm. it gives me pause. It makes you think, why? Why? Why is a what like what is the. What's community or the society's burden to bear when a woman stops working? Does that make sense? Try me again. Well, it's like when we hear this $64 billion, yeah, 60, yeah. like women contribute $64 billion to the economy. Um, and if we stop working, I understand the impact to the personal human being, to the woman who's Oh, no, made, everybody loses. Right, but that, but yes. I had, it was a lot, it was a little bit of a walk for me to think that one through. And you know, it's like, yes, the families lose an income. Yes, the communities lose some, re some revenue. But there are these larger things mm -hmm. that we as a society and a community lose when a woman- That aren't just monetary- that's right. I mean, we can talk about you don't go to the dry cleaner anymore and support that business. You didn't go out to lunch downtown anymore and support that business. Um, there's all sorts of ways we can talk about the money. But we also talked about last week what women do contribute, their competency in management, 
um, there that Fortune 500 companies who have more women in leadership actually are more profitable. Yeah. Um, women are better allies at work at making change. There's all these things that women are bringing to the workplace beyond the dollars. Right. And I know I've referenced this before and I'll say it again. I listened to Melinda Gates at one time talk about women in the tech industry. And yeah. I just want to, I took what she said and I've applied it sort of like peanut butter all over everything I can. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love how you're picking up on the food analogies. I am trying. Now you're, you're uh, rubbing I off on me. Commitment. But Melinda said, you know, when, when women leave the tech industry, which they did in droves or mm-hmm. how oh, they have been, there was a peak and there was a peak at some point And now, and now there are fewer and fewer women in the tech industry. She said, tech is the future. And if you don't have women's voices in tech, then you don't have women's voices in the future. And I, again, I would put that in almost every situation. Mm-hmm. You know, women in leadership. If you don't have women in leadership, you don't have women's voices. You don't have half the population helping and I, make decisions. I just want to footnote, this really applies to all kinds of diversity. Absolutely. You know, it applies to race and ethnicity. It applies to gender fluidity. I mean, it just applies to everything. We happen to talk about women, but I just want to call out that it this applies in so many different places. Absolutely. That's right. And so this loss of jobs, mm-hmm. the fact that women are doing a mass exodus from the mm-hmm. workforce doesn't just mean your neighbor isn't getting a paycheck. It means that your community has fewer rep- fewer dollars flowing through it. And it means that your community is losing vital and valuable input mm-hmm. and participation energy, and yeah. energy perspective. In, exactly. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. And that, and like you said, that's the case. Not just women, women of color, be all people of color. It's just the diversity that we aspire to mm-hmm. creates a more beautiful and effective and a better a, a better world, a better workplace, yeah. yeah, and a better world. And so here's the part of all this that just gets under my skin, where I get a little bit cranked up. Um, this is all premised on the fact that. Women are responsible for these things, that we're responsible for the child care, we're responsible for the school care, the elderly care, that we bear those kind of caretaking burdens. That's right. And so the assumption, and this is the part that makes me nuts. So if you can take care of your kids, take care of your family, take care of your parents, take care of your house, take care of your community, and have a job... That's we're going to that that's okay. That's it. We'll let you do that. We'll let you do that. We'll let you be successful if you can get all those plates spinning in the air and keep them all spinning. That's right. And I just think that is BS. I think that we have women have bought and men have bought it too. Everybody's bought it. Yeah. That this is women's work, women's roles to take care of these things and it we've not we we need a paradigm shift. The that's paradigm right. is wrong. So I guess <clears throat> I experienced this by if you can work between 8 p.m. when your kids go to bed and three in the morning and just be a powerhouse when you get up the next day and hit it again, you are golden. You can have that job. You can have that job. But as I said to you before, <laughs> then you get the cancer oh, because know. it's not sustainable. This is not this. That is not sustainable. Right. So right now we have a situation that many of us are feeling. We know it. This is it. We are stretched to the max. We've lost childcare, we've lost school, and we're trying to do the contortions to stay in these jobs. And And many of us aren't. And many people aren't. And so here is the thing. We need to 
shift the paradigm. Remember when we talked last episode about the article that um, the opinion piece from the New York Times about women warriors yes. and hunters? Yes. And I was like, oh my gosh, Karina, they like were looking at 26 graves and 10 of them turned out to be women. 26 graves of warriors and hunters. Big game hunters. Big, big hunters. Big hunters. And 10 of 26 of them turned out to be women. And I think that we as a society tell stories about who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to take care of. And I tell you, I'm not buying it anymore. Right. That that story about the graves exposed a lie mm-hmm. that had us both questioning, what else have we been lied about? What else have this been, yeah. place that women and and we we know that the a woman's place is not necessarily in the home, right? Like that's not new to us, but I think what we've been told is that you can only be outside of the home if you can figure out all of these other things. Your only option is to work and juggle mm-hmm. or not work. Mm-hmm. And right now we're seeing the short-term fix that women are feeling and feeling stressed out about, or what the, what the short-term fix that we're seeing women employ, the panic button that they can mm-hmm. hit is to quit their jobs. Is to leave the workforce. And, and that article, the archaeology article, or the New York Times opinion piece, kind of made both of us go, wait a minute. What else, what else is not, what else is not true? What else is not right? That's right. Yeah. And that is not the only option. Mm -hmm. Your panic button is not to leave the workforce. Mm -hmm. Your panic button might be actually the responsibility of your community or society. Yeah. So, so, so first of all, my feeling about this is that and the whole point of these two episodes is to talk about what COVID has done to expose what already exists and to talk about the systemic issues that affect women and work. And we've talked about the contribution that women make to the economy, to the workplace, to business, to productivity, to innovation, all of those things. And then what we want to do is take all that work and put it on just this one section of society when it comes to the work of the house and the work of the family. So when your child is sick, there's no place for your child to go. You, the child goes home. Maybe, hopefully you have some, maybe you have somebody could help that can help you. Probably not. Probably you have to miss work. Um, lack of predictable work schedules really interfere with women because they have childcare to manage and they have to figure that out. Um, I'm shocked by how little support there is for the elderly. We know that we're making some gross generalizations here. but uh, And that also points out that the ability to do those things is not the sole purview or, or skill of women. That's right. I guess that's my point. Yes. And the thing that I really, Karina, you found a really wonderful quote from a journalist from North Carolina. And so this, this woman, uh, Catherine Goldstein, who uh, is from North Carolina, she's a journalist and the creator and host of another podcast. Don't listen to hers until you finish listening to every one of our episodes. But her podcast is called Double Shift, and it's about working women. And working moms. Working moms. That's yeah, right. working moms. And her quote is, changing things at the federal level really does need to be, be the goal. The goal of making systemic change. Because if it's employer by employer, there are always going to have, or there will always be the haves and the have nots. And it creates even more inequity. And it also creates, uh, I think, 
this dynamic between employers and employees that is sometimes difficult to navigate. What do you, ta- what well, do you mean by that? You know, if, if one employer makes some of these changes uh, that may even cost more money or may not, um, that there's this, there's this idea, there's this concept of, am I putting myself in a negative position compared to my competitors? Right. Like, are my costs higher now? Are my costs higher or is my productivity lower? Which I think is all another bunch of BS. But I have I hear that from employers, those concerns, which I understand, like, you know, many people that pay many, many of my clients that pay their employees minimum wage uh, have big heartburn because the minimum wage of their competitor in Arkansas is far less than it is here in Washington. I see. So when we do things on the federal level, we even the play. That's right. We even the playing field. That's right. Uh, I recall that when I was doing a lot of advocacy for regulations mm-hmm. for environment, like if we're regulating one industry locally, then there then sometimes their costs are higher. The, the community is healthier because of it, but they have they have a hard time competing. Mm-hmm. And so I hear what you're saying is like that if and I think that's exactly what um, Catherine Goldstein is saying, too. If we can do these things on the federal level, we raise everybody up. We don't mess up the playing field. Everybody comes in. And that's the crazy thing, too. Then women come in more equal. That's right. And you said something at the last episode, which I think um, I'm not sure we've restated yet, but all of these things that we just talked about, child care, elder care, mm-hmm. school, sick, whatever, we think of those as women's issues. Oh, totally. And they're not. They're That's economic. Our whole point. That, yeah. That was the whole point of the last show, which is we have to stop thinking about these issues as or these these programs or these policies as social welfare. I really think they're economic they development. Are. They are. Because as we said, when you are able to provide these opportunities for women, your community, your business, your family, your neighborhood, all benefit mm-hmm. economically. And this is what, you know, one of the things that Karina and I do when we're preparing for an episode is we dig in and find out what's going on out there. And we always like it when somebody has already invented the wheel. And of course, somebody has invented the wheel on this. We're talking about things that women know, that we struggle with. And there are solutions out there. There are proposals on the federal level to make progress in some of these areas. We got onto the Women's National Law Center site, which, by the way, is amazing. Please go there. Go there. Women's National Law Center. I just, I, I was, it was like, I was like a kid in the candy store it's on really that good. website. Mm-hmm. Just reading, digging deeper, 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 deeper. Yeah. And, and, and they, and they, they are putting forth legislation. You can get onto their website, read about it and pledge to support it and even communicate directly with your legislators, legislators yeah. from their site. There are interesting things happening on the federal level. And I think it is time for us to really start pushing those things um especially we got kamala oh we got kamala come on we finally have a woman in the white house we've got kamala just makes me so happy let's start pushing okay so i sorry i interrupted you let's talk about kamala we can talk about kamala all day i love her um (laughs) what i was going to say though is that there is some very interesting tax credit legislation that's been bumping around congress and it would allow when families, families, which is one of the things that I, you actually pointed this yes. out about the Women's Law Center. Yep. They characterize 
these issues, not as women's issues, family but issues. as family issues. Yes. Yeah. So the child. Which is, I think, also the point of the show, yes. right? Like, mm-hmm. this isn't women's work. No, it's family work. Right. The title was tongue in cheek, if you haven't figured that out at this point. The title of this episode. Oh, I get it. Tongue yeah. in cheek. I, I thought know. you meant by the numbers. I was like, I thought it was by the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No. Yes. The women's okay. work. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me one of the interesting pieces of legislation. Okay. There, there is some legislation about providing more tax credits for child care. Really easy. Really simple. And as we talked about in the first episode, like almost nobody has affordable child care. No state. And, yes, right, no, no state meets the criteria, which is, or the, whatever it is, the standard, which is that child care is 7% of your income. Right. Benchmark? Benchmark. That's a great word. Thank you. Yeah. So that's one thing. And what I love about this is that you can go on the National Women's Law Center. You can find the thing that you really want to get active on. You can read about it. You can learn about it. And then you can write an email right from their website to your legislator. That's right. It's like you could spend 10 hours or 10 minutes. That's I know. You know, one of the one of the pieces of legislation that really struck me was this notion of um Supporting fair work schedules. I hadn't thought about that before. Mm -hmm. And in fact, even as someone who used to run or, well, I could say arguably had a retail store underneath, under my purview, Mm -hmm. I never thought about the impact of fair and regular and predictable work schedules, especially on women, but on anyone with Mm -hmm. a family. On families. On families. On families. On families. Seattle actually has legislation. I don't know if there's any... um, in similar legislation in any other part of the country, but it there is a requirement about how much notice you have to give workers when you change their schedule. Yeah, for that very reason, yeah. right? Because you need to have predict- families need, need predictability. You know, you just said U.S. and it made me um, think just briefly. This is a side note. This is a tangent um, about I love a tangent all, <laughs> about all of the different countries that have been listening to us. I have to oh. do. It's not just the U.S., I have to say. I, I just want to do a teeny, teeny shout out to like to Canada. Okay, close. Okay, Canada's close. Close, close. There are uh, polite neighbors to the mm-hmm. north. But uh, Austria, Australia, Belgium, the U.K., Sri Lanka, Russia, Taiwan. So that's just in the last week. So hello to all of those countries. When we talk about some of these uh, rules or laws at the federal level, we're talking about U.S. Some countries are kicking it. They're killing right. it. Some countries are killing it. In a good way. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so if you're in one of these other countries that, or in a state that's doing one of these things particularly well, please, please drop us a line. We want to hear all about it. But back to the Women's Law Center, if you don't mind. <laughs> Now that we've made our international tour of listeners. Now that I've done it. Well, Singapore? Did you say Singapore? Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Sri Lanka. It's funny how you see these things pop up, too. We see you. I see you. If you download an episode, I see you. I know where you're from. Uh, every every state in the United States, too. Every state in the United States. Karina's watching you. Has, I'm watching. I'm watching your downloads. Mm-hmm. I'm watching what you're listening mm-hmm. to on a daily basis. Anyways. Okay. Other things... Um, so child care, uh, tax credits, making that easier to afford, making schedules more predictable, raising the minimum wage. This Oops, is. I'm banging. I'm getting so upset that I'm like banging the ping pong table. Raising the minimum wage. This is one that was so interesting to me mm-hmm. because I said to you when we were planning for this, anytime anyone calls for the, to raise the minimum wage, I think, yeah, my 
my kid doesn't need to make 15 bucks an hour working at, you know, the burger joint at the burger joint. Mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be nice. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. What's the two thirds of all minimum wage workers are women. Yes. Two thirds. Half of those two thirds are over the age of 25 supporting themselves. Yes. Oh, um, over half of them are supporting themselves and 25% have children. So there are single women. There are a significant number of single women out there supporting at least one child, making the federal minimum wage of $7 and 25 cents. I almost threw up when I read that. I don't know how that even works. I don't know either. I mean, no cost of living changes from state to state. That I, I don't know any place that you can live on minimum wage under a cost of living and have a reasonable life right. with health care and licensed child care and adequate nutrition and housing. I just don't even know. In transportation. In transportation. And education costs. Oh my, I, right. So raising the minimum wage there, if there would is, make a significant difference for women and allow them to purchase, frankly, quality child care, quality health care, it's crazy. And also maybe just get a break every once in a while. 725. You know, the the um the mental or the emotional um benefit of making enough that you are not in survival mode. Mm-hmm. It it prolongs your life. Yeah, you're not always in panic mode. Yeah. It literally has a physiological, psychological Oh, of course it does. Right. Can you I mean, I'm sure I it, I cannot be alone. There have been many times in my life where I have opened my checkbook, balanced it and been and had a heart attack. Yeah. And I cannot be alone. And I cannot imagine what that's like to do every day, opening your checkbook, realizing this is not going to work. No, the math does not work. uh, So simple things like advocating for minute higher wages and some of these benefits that are going to have a tremendous will have a tremendous impact on women I think and it, families. I think another big one for families is paid time off. Yeah. Um providing whether it's paid sick leave or paid family medical leave, but though the ability to preserve your job and get some kind of compensation, maybe not all your compensation, but a portion of your compensation if you need to care for a family member or yourself. Those kinds of things dramatically change the ability of women and families, as we go back to families, to participate in the economic activity. Right. And it's not just people with children, right? There are a lot of women who are in a family of two, them and their partner or their spouse. But even if it's just women, single, not just, but even if it's single women benefiting from all of this, you know, I don't want to default to families when really what we're talking about is people. It's people. It's people. Um, I think that the cold COVID thing, though, has exacerbated this for women with children just because of this whole child care school thing. Yeah, exactly. But there's no question these issues exist. Yeah. And I can see when we're talking about things like minimum wage or paid time off, like raising the minimum wage or paid time off or et cetera, et cetera. I can see how you'd want to see movement at the federal level. Yes. I can see that because you want to, again, like you said, level the playing field. And I also don't want to discount as we're moving towards the end of this. I don't want to discount the actions at the local level or even at your own office or in your own life. And yes, I understand why we want to level the playing field for for all people, but also 
the things that make a difference on a daily basis on a, in a woman's mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. are almost exclusively other women. Other women. Yeah. Sponsoring women, advocating for women, helping women um, raise their voice. Get, su- su- supporting. Supporting, mm-hmm. get, getting the promotion, mm-hmm. you know, wrapping your um, virtual arms around those other women in your life, in your office, in your workplace and lifting them up mm-hmm. because that's something you can do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You can also write a letter to your, you know, I really do hope that listeners get on that website, that women's national law center and find something to tell their legislators. What do you care about the most? Do you care about paid time off? Do you care about childcare? Do you care about helping, um, hourly workers better um, manage their schedule. I mean, what do you really care about? Because this is a great opportunity to tell your legislatures to giddy up. We need the safety net. We need a safety net. And this is the thing. I would even say it's not, Karina, I'm going to challenge you on the safety net. I feel like it's roads and electricity. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's like infrastructure, you know, Our economy benefits enormously from the fact that our government has installed this nationwide road system, transportation system, or electricity, or whatever. And I think that these kinds of things are similar. I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And I and I think I was I was thinking about COVID. Oh yeah. I was thinking that you know this this started because the safety net had massive holes Mm -hmm, in it mm -hmm. uh, when we needed it. Right. Uh, but you're right. It needs to not be a safety net. It needs to be systemic it's infrastructure. infrastructure. It's infrastructure. infrastructure. Infrastructure and economic development. And, you know, sometimes. Economic development infrastructure. Thank yeah. You. And sometimes, you know, um, we leave with a list of things to do. Right. And we've kind of done that with this show a little bit. These are some of the things you can do. I just want to call back to this thing that Gloria Steinem, if anybody has listened to her in a podcast or an interview, you're going to have heard her say this. Somebody will invariably ask her, Gloria, what do you think are the most important things a woman can do today? And they might phrase it about, you know, equal pay or whatever. They ask her, what's the most important things, Gloria? And I love her answer so much. She always is like, you know, you know, I think women know what they need to do. And you know, I don't really know. I think people, I think women know what they need to do. It's a very empowering answer. And at first I was like, that's a cop out. I was bored. No, I was like, come on, Gloria. I was but, bored. Uh, but I, I was hear like, you. Fire me up, Gloria. Yeah. Give me some interesting things to think about. And then I was like, no, she's right. Yeah. So we do know what to do. We do know what to do. We do know how to change this. And we do know that it should be changed. If you, yes, exactly. And we need to stop buying the same old story. Yeah. We need to be making a new story. You are a woman warrior who brought down the, you said woolly, woolly mammoth. mammoth, but were, did humans and woolly mammoths, were they alive at the same time? We need a paleontologist in here. I think they were humanoids. <laughs> I'm going to say they were humanoids. Okay. Well, we're going to go with that because all I can think about is the Flintstones. But yes, women, you are the warrior who brought down the the hunter brought down the woolly mammoth. Did they? Well, not the warrior. It's the hunter. 
Oh, dear God, we need to go. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for doing this show with me. It was a good one. It was a good one. Okay, don't forget about... Um, I'm going to go email myself silly about these things. Yeah, go email the Senate, your senators and your Congress people. Also, don't forget to email us. Uh, you get to work at gmail.com if you want to join us on February 8th for to talk about decision making. And I'm going to say it again. If you're on the fence, if you can't then decide... definitely do it. Then we're here to tell you we need you to do it. Because we need it's, people who aren't like us. They're always great. They all, I was like, I said people like us. Anyway, yes, the focus groups are always great. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for working. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. listening. <laughs>